0: The uh, Pollux better. It's been, it's been wonderful. Let me introduce uh, the rest of our family to you with a picture here. This is our crew from uh, about a year ago. Right there in the middle is Amy, and we just celebrated 28 years together. And of course, he Amy's here with me this weekend. Amen. And we've got seven children, our W Listy, JD Laney, Millie, Ray, and Rush, ages 25, down to eight, four boys, three girls. Our youngest two boys in the blue shirts there are also here live. Ray and Rush, they're in charge of the ministry table out there. You'll get a chance to meet them. And we've our eldest two are married. who were blessed with two COVID-era ready uh, to plan those and the challenges of all of that. But our eldest is now married two years, and our daughter Listy. On the left-hand side is married a uh, year to her husband Bond, and we've been blessed with our first granddaughter, Amy, uh, Amy Victoria. She is three months old. I really should have had a picture on this slideshow. I've been showing pictures of Amy all weekend, so uh, I'll make sure I have some tonight for our evening service. I didn't put it in this particular one. So we've been blessed with this big family, right? So we've got lots of joy, lots of happiness, and uh, lots of problems daily, daily. Problems. I want you to put yourself in my shoes for just a minute. Here again, I've got two kids married off the payroll, right? But I've got five uh, still at home. So I live with six sinful, messed up people, right? I want you to imagine just how difficult that is for me to have to navigate on a daily basis. Thank you for the prayers. Now, technically, there would be seven sinners in the house. With me as sinner in chief, but I prefer to focus on their problems. Amen, amen. Maybe, maybe your home's different, all right. But in our home, we got problems every day. We've got some sort of sin, some sort of conflict, some sort of trouble. Uh, I sit at home more than anywhere else. I have made it through, Pastor Luke. I have made it through since our arrival Thursday. Is that correct? without losing my temper or becoming impatient with any of these church folk. And I, it impressive. Thank you, Tony. It is impressive. And I'm going to make, I will almost guarantee you that I will make it to tomorrow we pull away tomorrow I'm at 10. I don't think I'm going to lose my cool, lose my temper with any of you through that. It's impressive that I could even make that affirmation. But could I stand up here and say that in the next 24 hours between tomorrow and 10, I'm not going to lose my temper becoming patient with laying these three folks down here. Could I promise you that? And then probably not, right? I mean, there, was, there are days where I don't have conflict with my family, and those are the days I'm traveling. And when I don't make a mistake or drop the ball or do something, here, here's the deal. See, a lot of us, you know, we're we're really committed, as Pastor Luke said, to this idea of family, God made the family but we can step back we say, like, we look at our family and say, you know, maybe this combination of people is just not working. You know, the way that, that God might have intended So here's the deal. Because we fall short at home so often, the Christian family has to become an expert in giving and receiving forgiveness. The Christian family has to become expert in giving and receiving forgiveness. For. So let's imagine I, I don't, I'm not going to do this, but take a big knife, give myself a big deep chop on the arm, and I say well I'm going to give that time. Time will heal that. That's a bad idea isn't it? I'm going to bleed out, I'm going to get infected, I'm going to get gangrene, right? Now, so it's not time that heals wounds. What I want to share with you this morning is the truth that God heals family wounds. Sometimes over time. Sometimes those family wounds take a long time to heal, but it's not time. It's the Lord. Now, if a member does something to hurt us a couple times, maybe not that big a deal. But what if it's five times, ten times? What's just a chronic, right, ongoing area of hurt or woundedness? You may remember that uh, Peter wanted to talk to Jesus about this very issue. This is Matthew chapter eighteen, verses twenty-one and twenty-two. Then Peter came up and said to him, "Lord, how often?" Will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Interesting point here. Did you know most of the time that when the Bible uses the word brother or sister, it means brother or sister? Now there are some times in the New Testament, a few times in the Old Testament, where brother means brother in Christ, spirit, sister in Christ. But because we read the Bible with a New Testament lens, as we should... Most of the time when we see brother or sister, we read it as church family. I'll give you an example. Psalm 133, verse 1. How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. We wish you have heard that verse. The pastor says today, I'm going to preach on Psalm 133, verse 1. How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. And then goes on to preach about how as a church we need to be unified. Someone give me a ballpark date of when Psalm 133 was written. Ballpark thousand bc would be a safe ballpark for psalms is this the verse about the church no nope. <clears throat> there's no church when god says how good and pleasant it is for when brothers dwell together in unity he's talking about siblings yeah, well, that changes that a lot how good and pleasant it is when siblings dwell together in unity and know they've to Peter's number with a number, which is 490. Right? So, your spouse keeps doing the same thing over and over again. All right, 48, 49, one more time, and I am off the hook here. Jesus is not giving a, a, a number. I think he's teaching that this is like a call of a, a lifestyle of forgiveness. I once heard a powerful sermon from Jerry Root, a professor of Dean College. He talked about how the call to forgive was first and foremost a choice we make for our own freedom and wholeness. He shared this illustration. He said, if you have rats in your house, you don't get rid of the rats by eating a box of rat poisoning, like yourself. That's obviously not going to do anything for the rats. It's probably going to kill you. So holding on to bitterness, holding on to anger, is going to hurt us far more And it's hurting the person with whom we are in conflict. So Jerry asked the question: how often should we say no to eating rat poisoning? Yeah, all the time. We should have a lifestyle of no to rat poisoning. Choosing forgiveness is is choosing freedom. Now, my greatest struggle with forgiveness had to do with my dad. Here's a picture of of my dad, he's probably about 80 years old here in this this picture. Um, My parents got divorced when I was 15 and there was problems on both sides of the marriage Um, my my mom came to Christ when I was a baby and my dad was a secularist and and was very hard hearted towards spiritual things turns out my dad had um, extra relationships outside of marriage and that's what what brought things down so I'm a sophomore in high school I'm 50 years old and I'm dealing with this hatred and anger and bitterness and resentment toward my dad and and we had to sell our house and move and all the stuff that goes with is as we work with families and counsel uh, families is to really try to develop what are the biblical principles for anybody in a family that wants to seek healing they want to seek peace, they want to seek reconciliation we know there's no do one, two, three, and a relationship is going to get healed but what are some biblical principles that we can hold to and that we can apply to seek peace and seek healing in a broken family relationship and this morning, I want to share three of those with you. I want to talk to you about healing family relationships through prayer, healing family relationships through boundaries, and healing family relationships through compassion. If you want to do the, the deep dive onto all 11 of these biblical principles, um, our, our book, Healing Family Relationships, we've got a stack of them out there. Our resource table, and Ray Rush can help you after the service. But I want to talk to you first about healing through prayer. Healing through prayer. When you are in a conflict with a family member, the reason you are in that conflict is because of something they did. Amen? Amen. They said something wrong, did something wrong, looked at you the wrong way, used the wrong tone of voice, whatever. But the reason why you're in that conflict is because of them. Yes? as far as causality goes. Obviously, very, very few family conflicts are 100 but but I'm sharing that with you to, to illustrate that our family members' faults and problems are very plain to see. Our faults and problems, not so plain to see. Jesus talks about this. Matthew chapter 7. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye? When Jesus is talking about your brother, who's, who's he talking about? Your brother. But you do not consider the plank in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first. Remove the plank from your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Alright, I have an illustration. book, can you help me out here? You bring me my problem. What he's trying to do is to say, when you're in a conflict with your family member, focus on your contribution first. Identify your contribution first. Repent and confess, and ask forgiveness for your contribution first. Whether yours is the speck or whether yours is the law. But the problem is, we see the speck, but we don't see the law. Right? So what do we have to do? We're going to seek to heal this relationship through prayer by asking God to show us the law we can't see. So how does this prayer sound? It sounds something like this. And this again, in the book, we, do, we give examples of so many different prayer strategies. But it might sound like this. Lord, I know that my conflict with my sister is not all her fault. I know that I've made things worse with my attitudes and actions. I also admit that I struggle with focusing all my thoughts and feelings on what she has done to hurt me. I don't want to be like the person Jesus talked about, who's obsessing over the speck in his brother's eye while ignoring the log in my own eye. Listen, please show me everything I've done to hurt her. Bring to my mind the things that I have said which have hurt her and made our conflict worse. Then as the Lord brings those things to mind, Lord, I confess those things to you as sin. was wrong. I need your forgiveness through Christ before I seek forgiveness from my sister. Please work in my heart. Listen, please work in my heart so I'm paying more attention to my contribution to the conflict and not hers. Let's talk about this next principle, healing through boundaries. Healing through boundaries. This is, frankly, a pretty deep and complicated subject, and so to do ten minutes on it is is, um, not going to Suffice for the complicated nature of it, but we're going to give it a try. Romans chapter 12, verse 18, God says, if it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. If it's possible, what does that mean when God says, if it's possible? It's not a trick question. It means it might not be possible. In other words, you might have someone in your family that you would like to live at peace with, but it's not possible to live at peace with them because they don't want to live at peace with you. You can't live at peace with someone who doesn't want to live at peace with you. So where does God go? If it's possible, as much as it depends on you, say you're going through a hard financial time and uh, you share some of it with your mom. And your mom posts it on her Facebook page to share your prayer request with for her friends about your financial issues. And a week later she comes to you and says, hey, you have an update on the finances so I can share with my friends? You would be very right to do two things. One would be to completely forgive your mother for taking your personal information and putting it on her Facebook page. be completely right to forgive her. And you'd also be I've forgiven you. I don't want to harbor any hatred, anger, bitterness towards you, and I don't trust you for the foreseeable future in this area, right? Until I see that you will become more trustworthy in this area. So it doesn't mean uh, uh, trusting someone. It, forgiving someone does not mean allowing yourself uh, to be abused by them again. Uh, forgiving someone does not even mean having warm fuzzies with them. Some people say, well, I'm not ready to forgive uh, my spouse because I just don't have more feelings. They're waiting for warm feelings to come. You can forgive someone without warm fuzzies. And if the relationship is broken, toxic, and hurtful, you're probably not going to have warm fuzzies until God works a miracle and brings healing in the relationship. So just keep forgiveness in a separate category from trusting, uh, from opening yourself up to continued abuse, or even from having warm feelings. Let me give you an example in in the Bible of, of healing through boundaries. You remember Joseph and his brothers. Joseph is the uh, 11th of the 12 brothers. And he has these dreams of his brothers and family bowing down and serving him and worshiping him. And so sort of quickly goes and tells his brothers, guys, I have this awesome dream. You're going to love it. And uh, the brothers do what, you know, brothers in the Bible, like if you're ticked and angry at another brother, option one is I'm going to kill it. Like, those are the biblical families. Like, you've got a problem, option A, I'm going to be cleared. So, the big plans, you know, to kill him, but they think twice. Like, like Reuben wants to short circuit this whole thing and arrest him and stuff like that. And then they don't kill him, right? They just super make it, sell into slavery that, and tell dad and you know, they're not going to go, let's not go crazy here. So, <laughs> we know that God in this sovereign plan is using this, he's sending Joseph. Save the known world and the family from this famine. Joseph even comes to know that what his brothers meant for evil, God meant for good. Right? So we see God's sovereign plan and all that. Well, the famine reaches Canaan and Joseph's brothers come to Egypt because they need food. And they come into Joseph's uh, courtroom or whatever that might have been. And as soon as Joseph sees his long-lost brothers, he says, Guys, it's me! I love to see if two things will change. One, he wants to find out if they are repentant for what they did and two, if they're changed men, if they're no longer abusers. So he sets up the test, right, with, with Benjamin. And, and he, he's listening to them talking and he hears them saying this is all happening to us because of the guilt of what we did to our brother, Joseph." He hears their repentant hearts and he, he cries on the other side of the, the wall because he heard their repentant hearts. But honestly, if you're uh, physically abusive person saying you're sorry feeling bad, that doesn't cut it, does it? That's not enough. Are you now a safe person? Have you been transformed? So he sets up the test of Benjamin. Are they going to uh, sell out the life of their little brother to save their hides or are they different now? And when the brothers say, no, no, take us, take us, let our little brother go, he now knows that they're actually changed men. And that's when he cries again and comes into the room and reveals himself. So this, we'll have this question a lot in family ministry. It's like, I've got a boundary up with this toxic family member. You know, when do I lower the the boundary? When do I maybe try again? What you want to see are two things. One, have you seen repentance for what they've done? And have you seen changed, evidence of changed behavior? And if you've seen those two things, that might be God uh, opening the door for a step, right? Maybe not a jump, but a step back toward that Relationship. Let me give you a modern example here. Uh, Steve and Karen were navigating some challenges with, with the grandparents. So they had uh, two children, ages five and seven, and they were dealing with some dynamics with Karen's parents. The two dynamics with Karen's parents were these. When Karen's dad was around, he used a lot of uh, colorful sailor language. Can we call it that? is very inappropriate for kids. But that's just the way he talked And then Karen's mom, a couple things. One, she really had a temper. So when the kids misbehaved, she'd get real harsh and angry with the grandkids. But then she would also usurp Karen's rules. If Karen was gone, uh, even though Grandma knew Karen had a rule for such and such about TV or food or whatever, she'd say, "Oh, your mom's gone. It's Grandma time. We're gonna do what Grandma wants." All right. So Steve and Karen, they. they observed this over a period of time and just think, well, maybe you'll go away maybe you'll get better, but it wasn't getting any better, and so they were counseled that they need in order to seek healing in these relationships they needed to talk about setting up a boundary As we're talking about seeking healing by setting up a boundary, so they, they asked for a meeting with the four of them, this is a true story and uh, this is what they shared with Karen's parents Thanks for being willing to talk with us. First, we want to tell you that we love you and appreciate you. And because we care about our relationship with you and your relationship with the kids, we want to have an important conversation. Dad, I know that you use some swear words. setters in families are labeled the bad guys. In other words, your family has another big blow up again. All that stuff comes out, right? And, and you say, hey, I think we got to talk about this rather than speaking under the rug again. You're the bad one for saying, hey, we ought got to talk about it. It's like this. Your house is burning down. And you say, hey, our house is burning down. Our house is burning down. And everybody else in the family says, don't talk bad about our house like that. I'm not trying to talk bad about the house. I'm just saying it's burned down. You know, so you see, like you just say, wait till this flag, say, Hey, I think we've got a problem? You are breaking out of the system that doesn't talk about the problems. See, when I was growing up, my dad had this phrase Like when he had family issues and things like that, and we had lots of them. And the phrase from his generation is you don't air your, you don't put out your dirty laundry. Right? On the clothes outside, you hang a clean laundry. Right after what? You would never have people shouldn't know you, know, you don't have to talk about that stuff so just a, a fair warning that, that some of you even this morning the Lord may be giving you some courage to say hey you know what I, I think we are that sweet run of the road Sophomore year of high school, remember walking through the halls at school that day. I kind of have a snapshot in my mind of where I was standing. That was the day the divorce papers were getting signed. It, it was kind of like this dividing line right in, in my life. Uh, and as I shared with you, my youth pastor had to walk me through what does it really mean to forgive? It's not just a light switch, it's not just a path answer. He, he talked to me through these, these phases of forgiveness. I'll share with you super briefly right now. Just the first one of forgiveness with the will. Forgiveness with a uh, choice. It's a prayer. It's God, I, I choose to forgive my dad. God, I don't want to forgive him. I don't think he deserves forgiveness. He has to ask forgiveness. But you command me to forgive, so fine, I'll do it. But I just want to have it in the minutes. I don't think this is a good idea. And uh, so Lord, I choose to forgive him for this, I choose to forgive him for this, I choose to forgive him for this. Just this act of the will, right? If we're commanded to you, but then phase two, but God, I cannot change my heart. I cannot get rid of these feelings of anger and bitterness and resentment. So God, you've got to do that. You have to drain my this swamp of all these horrible emotions that I have. So phase one took me a long time to get ready to do it, right? It didn't take long to do it. It took a long time to get ready to do it. Phase two, I was praying for then six years every day, God heal my heart with this anger and bitterness that I have. I don't listen. I don't want my dad's bad behavior to be a ball and chain around my life. I don't want it to be this rain cloud that follows me around. I don't, you know, I don't know if my dad's going to change. I don't know if he's going to repent. I don't know if he's going to ask forgiveness. But I don't want his life damaging mine in that way. So I'm praying like that for for, for six years, and then it's junior year of college, and I had, uh, I, I remember this. I had a crazy early class, that crack of 11, and I'm in, I'm in my bathroom in my apartment, and I'm getting ready to go, and for whatever reason, I'm thinking about my dad, and I was flooded with compassion. Normally, if that was on my mind, that's not the emotion that I have, but in this moment, it, it was his mom uh, died in childbirth with him. And he was born at the University of Iowa Hospital. So his mom dies and his dad, we don't know all of the details, but his dad didn't want him or wouldn't take him, couldn't take him. He had two older sons, maybe he's in grief, loss. we don't know. but Dad wouldn't take him. And he was a, a premature baby. He was born at seven and a half months. And back in 1918, that was a major life-threatening situation. So he spends the first year of his life in the hospital at the of survival. And for all of us that have had infants in our, our lives and in our families, what an important year that is for a little baby's heart and a little baby's spirit. And so we thank God for the nurses. Praise God for the nurses that took care of my dad baby's not supposed to have nurses baby's supposed to have a mom or a dad or a grandma or grandpa, right, taking care of her so my dad at the age of one gets adopted he gets adopted by his uh, aunt and his uncle who were brother and sister who, they were single not married, lived together just a brother and sister, right Unmarried brother and sister, they lived together and they, they uh, adopted him he was adopted by the dean of the University of Iowa. Robert Reno. That sounds familiar. And uh, the dean he my dad always called his, when he told me stories, he would call his adopted dad the dean, not dad. Well, that's a little weird. And I remember growing up, my dad, my dad worked at home a fair amount. And half the time on the road, half the time at home. And I remember many times my dad would tell me, I'd be a little boy in his office. Bobby, let me tell you the number one lesson that the dean taught me. So you're a little boy. Your dad is about to relay to you the most important thing his father gave to him. So as a little boy, you listen up, don't you? Okay, dad, what was the number one thing your dad taught you? Jesus was just Shifted my heart toward my dad, and it shifted as God brought me to a place of forgiveness for what He had done, and replaced my heart of anger and bitterness toward Him. Now I have this heart of compassion toward Him. It enabled me to then pursue a better relationship with Him, and pursue even with the the gospel message. I remember a time we were out to um, out to breakfast, and He was um, would have been about eighty years old. And I'm like, "All right, Lord, help me, help me again to try to have." Um, another spiritual conversation with my dad. So I said, Dad, I wonder... that? Jesus. Anybody else? No. It's a one-stop shop. You're either going to Jesus or you're not getting healed. And then his Father tells him the only person in the universe who can't help you is Anybody? Okay. You don't stop praying because you're not talking to the wall when you pray, you're talking to God. And you don't stop sharing the gospel as God gives you opportunity to do it because the gospel message is the power of God the salvation for everyone who believes. One of my questions for God uh, in heaven is going to be why did my dad repent the 1,552nd time he heard the gospel? And like, why not the second time? I don't know. God knows. So we, uh, after my dad's conversion into Connecticut, I'll tell you one story. We get in the car, we go out, we, I spent three days with my dad before his death. One of my favorite parts of those three, I guess you'd call those deathbed times, right? He says to me, Bobby, I've got a new life verse. Now you're like, I <laughs> I didn't know he was a, a Christian. Uh, but he had a life verse, that just wasn't from the Bible. It was a poem. A verse, prose, poetry, that kind of verse. And it was from Henley's Invictus. He had it on a little plaque on his desk at home. It matters not how strict the gate, nor how charged the punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate, and the captain of my soul. In other words, like, when I stand on judgment day, I'm in charge. That's basically what that means. So he says, Bob, you got a new love verse. I said, that's good, Dad. We need a new one. He goes, my new love verse. There, by the grace of God, go on. on the previous verse. And Jesus will sort that out with him on the other, on the other side. <laughs> Alright, listen. You know, God, God loves your family. He intentionally puts you together. And one of God's favorite things to do is to take broken things and make them whole again. He loves to do he does it all the time. So uh, what I'd like to do is to just invite you to do a short time of prayer, after which Luke is going to come up and, and continue a prayer response time. But if you, if you bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Heavenly Father, we can experience and seek healing in our family. We hope you enjoyed listening to the preaching and teaching from God's word today. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. From all of us here at the Home Church in Lodi, California, thank you for joining us.